Hi, welcome into the Irish NFL show. It's Sunday night. We have got to the very end of draft week. I'm still alive. Thank you, Kyle Shanahan. Welcome in, Colin. Welcome in, Mark. Boys, we have a special guest. We're going to bring him right in. It's a guy who's just signed a contract with the Giants today, a free agent. He's here. We thought he wouldn't be here, but he's here. Brian, how's it going? You've, you've, you've come in last minute there. I have indeed. The, the draft wasn't the only exciting thing this weekend. Sorry, guys. Last episode of Line of Duty. <laughs> I couldn't give it up. Well, don't hold on. Now. Don't spoil it for anybody for a start. <laughs> don't spoil it for anybody. But it, it, it was to the wire, but I just about made it. No problem at all. And that was an RT or BBC, Brian? Was that BBC? I sure we'll just yeah. move on. Okay, right. Special guest this evening. First guest. We've got four guests. So we're going to bring this guy in. Big Titans fan from Ireland, Paul Hosford. Paul, welcome into the show, man. How's it going? Not too bad, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Usually, Paul, I ask somebody on the show what Irish connections they have, but I'm quite stumped, to be honest with you. And I, uh, <laughs> welcome in. <laughs> um, so Colm tells me, Paul, that you're a Titans fan. Yeah, yeah. Big, big Titans fan for the last 20 years. So. Um, how, how did you, uh, how, how did you come to, to, I suppose, pick upon the, the Titans? Uh, I suppose like a lot of people, when in Ireland, Madden was kind of the, the gateway. But when I started watching it, so when I was in first year in school, a couple of lads were, were big into Madden. So we'd, we'd play Madden and that kind of graduates to watching NFL on a Sunday on Sky Sports, kind of getting the, the, the Sunday evening, getting the sitting room on a Sunday evening to watch to watch the NFL. And my first year watching was, was 99, 2000. So, you know, Eddie George, Steve McNair. And then I remember watching the Music City Miracle live. Um, so I was always kind of, I was always taken with, with the Titans because they had that really, like, really high-octane offense, um, like loads of great players on D, on D, guys like Javon Kirst. But I was really, like, really, really taken with um, with Kevin Dyson, the, the wide receiver. Uh, you'll remember from, the, from the, that Super Bowl, it was Kevin Dyson who was, uh, you know, half a foot short. So I was always really taken with him, and that summer my parents were going to were going to Nashville. Um, the first time anyone in the family had gone to, to the states, and they they were going to Nashville for a, a conference. My dad was going to a conference, and they came back with a, with a Dyson jersey. So I was like thirteen or fourteen, and I was absolutely obsessed with this thing. Just wore it constantly. And you know those old the old Reebok jerseys, so the 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 numbers would kind of flake away. Yeah. And by the time I'd, by the time it got thrown out or, or by the time it was retired from the wardrobe, I think the 87 was kind of more of like a 31 and the Titans were kind of a tie-ins. But, you know, you kind of, you assume if you, if you catch on to a team that are successful from the off or are decent from the off, you assume life's always going to be rosy and that's not been the case uh, some really really bad seasons some the the jake locker era wasn't great the the rotation of mediocre quarterbacks the, the weird season when the titans went 13 and 3 with kerry collins as the quarterback which was an absolute mind blower the the complete criminal waste of vince young the the greatest college talent at quarterback ever for my money just the the natural talent that the guy had i i still watch the 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 rose ball the obviously rose ball every now and then because it's 
one, the most insane game of American football you'll ever see, but two, just to, to watch Finn's Young in that game, particularly the fourth quarter, is just absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, uh, big, big Titans fan since. We managed to get over to a game in, in 2016, Thursday night game against the Jags, absolutely hammered them. Managed to see the first uh, first career touchdown of uh, of Derrick Henry, and I, I tell my wife every time, every time he's on the TV, I say we saw his first TD and she rolls her eyes and says, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Paul, a frantic few days for everyone, any NFL fan with the draft. And I suppose looking at the Titans secondary last year was very vulnerable and they let a lot of guys go during the offseason. Malcolm Butler went to Arizona, Dory Jackson's gone to the Giants. So it didn't come as a surprise that they went cornerback in the first round, but Caleb Farley has had a lot of concerns. You know, arguably they say he's the best, second best cornerback maybe the force, depending on who you listen to, in the draft. But yeah, people were kind of down on him because of his injury situation. Were you surprised he went that route in the end? No, I, I think the thing about the draft is, the prism that I always like to look at the draft through is, you're either, you're either Jacksonville and you've got the chance to take a guy who can turn the whole franchise around in a really short period, or you're in the space where the, the Titans are, where you've been kind of good for the last couple of years, you're picking in the you know late teens to early twenties, and what you need to do is make the team better. Right? So you're you're hanging around the playoffs, but you're not at that elite level. Uh, and you know this is a team that's only two years out of the the AFC Championship, so there's obviously some talent there. But for me, the team had to get better. And like you said, the the secondary last year was, was woeful. A really weird season where. Um, you know, you'd get to third down, and you'd have absolutely no confidence that the team that the defense was getting off the field. Uh, you know, you're watching games where you're giving up 25 yards on third and 17, and it just really, really strange. Uh, after the season before, having having such a good defense, um, just so I think one of the things, if you look at what the Titans have done in retooling that secondary last year. 19 sacks so you're getting to the quarterback less than once a game if you're not getting to the quarterback your defensive backs have to be able to cover and they have to be able to cover for a long long time in in the playoff game against the the ravens there was a couple of times where lamar jackson had you know you're talking eight to ten seconds all like and, and that's an eternity um you know so what if you look at what they've done janoris jackson is the big free agent in the secondary. Caleb Farley comes in, and then Elijah Moulton in the fourth round. So these are all great man guys, guys who played a lot of man in college. It's like, or sorry, Janoris Jenkins. So you look at these guys, they've all played a lot of man, good proven, you know, man coverage guys. So obviously the the the, the thinking there is if you're going to go man-to-man with, with your three top DBs, you're going to leave Bayard over the top. And then you're just going to have seven guys and you're going to work out different ways of getting them to the QB. And that's it. You, you know, you're, you're basically saying we don't have an elite pass rusher. Um, I, I don't know if there was one available um, either in free agency or, uh, you know, realistically available in free agency or the draft for, for the Titans. Uh, but they've obviously decided that if we can't get that one guy who's going to be a constant disruptive factor in the backfield, that we're going to be able to scheme seven guys just coming at you in all different kind of manners. So that kind of linchpin, the, the, the basis of that is, have we got three guys who can cover forever? 
and with with the likes of Farley, I think Farley, I've seen some grades grading it as as a kind of a B, which is probably if you're if you're on that kind of if you're on that measurement scale, it's probably not unfair. For me, it's either an A or an F. It's it's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to get the Caleb Farley, who we saw uh, a couple of years ago, but before his back surgery, who is long and rangy and really really quick and has explosive uh, abilities around the ball, or you're going to get a guy who's just physically not able to do it. And if he's not able to do it, then it's a waste of a first round pick, especially when you look at a couple of the guys who were there. A lot of the Titans fans were, were really really keen to to go and get Elijah Moore or or, or get you know a, a weapon for. For Tannehill after losing the likes of the Corey Davis or Johnny Smith or Adam Humphreys. Um, Paul, look, you've you've been a Titans fan for twenty two years, so I mean, yeah, from the ages of McNair, um, you lived through two thousand and eight season, I think it was, with my favourite Thunder and Lightning pairing, Chris Johnson and Lindale White, and obviously pain that year in the playoffs. But you know, things are happier now. You've you've Mike Rabel as head coach; it's not Jeff Fisher anymore. Three, I think Rabel hasn't had a losing season so far. And in the playoffs, you have actually beaten everyone that matters. I mean, you beat the Chiefs a couple of years ago, you beat the Ravens. And that Ravens-Titans rivalry is a sneaky good rivalry at this stage. I mean, you, you guys really don't like each other. Um, now, with the attempt, obviously, to address the corner and obviously the secondary in the draft, which was a black hole for you last year, how confident you know, uh, do you feel about continuing to build on the momentum of the last couple of years? Um, it it depends. I suppose it depends on a few things. One, it depends on how good um, how how good the Colts turn out to be next season. Uh, which version of of Carson Wentz they get? Um, I think if you look at it generally, last year was an improvement. So nine and seven, nine and seven, ten and six. That's what you're looking to do year on year. Uh, I think the sample size on Ryan Tannehill now is completely big enough to say that he is a top-level quarterback. Uh, I was reminded before we came on air, Colin reminded me that I do have a tweet from the, the day of the Denver Broncos game, the, the 16-0 game, where Mar- Marcus Mariota was pulled and Ryan Tannehill was put in. And, and I tweeted, and I've left it there for posterity. People can go and see it. If Ryan, Till- Ryan Tannehill is the answer, we need to ask some different questions. Because... If there's anyone on the planet who said that they thought that Ryan Tannehill, after being traded from the Dolphins to the Titans, was going to reach this level, I will go. You know, I will build statues in their honor because of the things that they can foresee. Because none of us saw this coming. Um, so, when you've got an elite quarterback or, or a guy who's in that conversation, and if you've got a running back like Derrick Henry, you've always you always feel like you've got a shot you know aj brown is, is kind of nudging himself into that conversation of top 15 top 10 wide receivers in the league the the concern i suppose the concern is always that you put a lot of money in, in two guys uh, on, on the offensive side and are you going to be able to keep the band around um you know Losing Johnny Smith and, and losing Corey Davis. Corey Davis was was a strange one because I think when when his option wasn't picked up, there wasn't a whole lot of Titans fans who were not upset, but weren't you know didn't understand the decision. Uh, he'd kind of blown hot and cold. One of these guys who you know could give you a one hundred yard game, but then could kind of go missing for three for the next three, and then last year as a, a career year in, in a contract year, and we see that all the time. 
Um, I've always believed that he has elite level talent, but I, I don't know how well it's translated. Last season seemed to be, you know, statistically is an outlier for him. Uh, delighted that he got paid. Delighted that he um, seems to have found a new home. So your your I suppose your worry is you're rebuilding that offense or that defense um, that was really really good two years ago. It was bad last season. Um, you're given I suppose Fraybel has earned himself that benefit of the doubt that he can that he can re- rebuild it, retool it, uh, kind of rebuild it in his image. There's a couple of good signings there, Bud Dupree and and. and Janoris Jenkins, and I suppose it really comes down to how, I suppose, different or how um, aggressive that defence comes out and is next season, because the thing is, last season, it always felt like unless the Titans score 35 points, they're going to be in a game, you know, so you might, you know, you might see games where you're scoring 30 35 points and you're just not comfortable and that's a, a really weird position to be in a, a half eight on a on a Sunday evening where you're watching the game and you're going okay we've we've, we've put up 50 okay if we can just get another 10 then I think we might be okay. <laughs> yeah. yes, don't beat yourself up about Tannehill though Lauren Tannehill didn't even believe that Ryan was the answer so <laughs> you, you go ahead <laughs> Uh, Paul, look, I feel like we could talk to you about the Titans for the next four or five hours, but we'll have to get you on again maybe before the season starts. It's been great chatting to you even just for the first time. We'll try and find that tweet as well, but uh, just Don't for now, man, thanks a million and, and hopefully chat to you again soon. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. All the best, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks very much to Paul Hosford. You can search for him on Twitter. Great Irish account to follow as well. Uh, we're going to skip from the Titans to the Saints, and we're delighted to welcome Larry Holder from The Athletic into the show live. Larry. Thank you for waiting. How are you? I'm good. Look, I, I feel like uh, we should be having, what, a beer or two since you guys are, what, 10 p.m. or so uh, in, in Ireland? Uh, I'm empty-handed. I mean, I, I just got finished the draft. I should probably use a drink, right? And I'm in New Orleans. What, what kind of fool am I? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, I it, I couldn't ask the first guest. It's because he was in Ireland and he is Irish. But uh, have you any Irish connections yourself? No, I, I don't. I think somewhere along the line, I'm Irish. I participate in every Irish uh, parade that we have in New Orleans. Uh, but, uh, you know, half the crew might not even know where Dublin is. So, hey, you know, we, we, we just like to party, you know, parades. Uh, we basically do it Mardi Gras style, floats, throws, you name it. We do it uh, in New Orleans, as you'd probably expect. Yeah, I cannot recommend New Orleans uh, highly enough. Have uh, had the good fortune to spend uh, time there uh, on a couple of occasions, and it is uh, party central. Um, I suppose the looking at, at the draft, um, interested in your take. Um, I was reading Mel Kuyper earlier. He's not particularly impressed by what the Saints did. But as somebody who covers the team closely, what's your, what's your own take on it? Look, I think the th- first three picks... You look at them, and I could argue that they actually addressed three needs. Now, did they address them in the order you might have expected? Uh, Probably not. Uh, Look, Peyton Turner was someone I deemed to the Saints in round two. Pete Werner, the linebacker, was someone I deemed to the Saints in maybe rounds three or four. And, of course, the Saints took uh, Turner the defensive end from Houston in round one, and Werner – in round two. And then it seemed like they, they kind of got the the grade as far as uh, our grades over at the Athletic. Uh, Paulson Adebo, the, the cornerback from Stanford, 
when you look at him, he they took him at 76, and we actually had him at 76 in our rankings. And then, of course, people are definitely wondering uh, about Ian Book, the quarterback from Notre Dame. How does he fit in? Uh, people think that the Saints maybe have overdrafted him. So you look at three of the four picks, and the impression that many people have here in New Orleans uh, is that they overpicked from where they should have been. And so, I, look, the Saints, they have uh, historically under Sean Payton and, uh, and Mickey Loomis, they have certainly drafted big time, say, in 2006. That was the start of their Super Bowl run. And, of course, in 2017, when they were able to get players like Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin Kamara and Ryan Ramchek and Marcus Williams. So I feel like some people will give them the benefit of the doubt. And yet at the same time, the last few drafts, they haven't really hit because they haven't really had to. So I think this is a circumstance where I think people might panic even more over this draft because people feel like these players need to come in and be able to play maybe more right away than the others. And people are definitely uh, questioning that uh, given where they, they selected some of these players. Larry, can I just ask about the quarterback situation? Obviously, Drew Brees has, has finally retired, shall we say, after years of speculation. But the two quarterbacks that are left left now, Taysom Hill, who is kind of a Swiss, Swiss Army knife type of player. You know, he was used in spe- for special plays last year, and then he played quarterback when Brees was injured. And James Winston, who will say he's inconsistent at times. He, he has the attributes, but the interceptions kill him. Are the Saints fans comfortable that they're the two that will lead the team next year jointly or do they believe there's one who will win out over the other in the end? Yeah, I they're going to go into this having one starter. And for right now, it is Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. Uh, do I think maybe the Saints entertained uh, someone like Russell Wilson or someone like Deshaun Watson uh, in the offseason when all the trade speculation was going on? I'm sure they entertained it, but they knew that the price tag was so high that they were not even going to be able – to even be involved. They were not really interested in Matt Stafford, which I think is an interesting uh, piece of the puzzle. From what I understand, they basically say see Jameis Winston and Matt Stafford on the equal plane, and Jameis has the much larger upside. And so they feel like uh, it's going to be one of the two. Look, I don't think Ian Book it gets involved in this race. Uh, but look, this is a one-year tryout, really. Jameis is only under contract for one year. Taysom is only under contract for one year. So if this thing blows up, we're going to be revisiting a quarterback debate next offseason. But look, I anticipate Jameis Winston winning the job. You're hearing all the right things uh, from Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and from Jameis Winston this offseason. And yet, like you said, uh, he has still has to prove it. Uh, he has all the talent there is. Decision-making has to come in to play. Do I think Sean Payton can win with him? I think he can. Look, they went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback last year when Drew Brees was hurt. They went 3-1 and with Taysom Hill as a quarterback when Drew Brees was hurt this year. Do I think Jameis Winston is a better talent than both of those guys? Yes, but Jameis Winston is also uh, a freelancer. Uh, he'll take chances. He'll take risks. So this is definitely a race. I definitely deem Jameis Winston as the favorite, but we might be having – the same conversation next offseason, uh, who's going to be the guy to follow the guy who followed Drew Brees. So we'll have well, to see. Well, this book is a fourth-round pick. You know, it could be fast-forward 12 months' time, and they forget about the fact that he is a fourth-round pick, and he, he could get that opportunity if it doesn't play out the way they hope during this season coming. 
Yeah, look, I think when you look at it in the sense that it's a rare thing that a mid-round pick comes in and takes over and wins a starting job. I'm, I think that Russell Wilson was probably the last one I can really remember off the top of my head to be a, uh, win the job and then actually be successful as a mid-round quarterback. So it's really a rare thing. Uh, and that's why a lot of teams, they draft quarterbacks so highly uh, that maybe the grade doesn't match, but quarterback is so valuable, uh, they have to do it. And so uh, I'm not going to totally discount Book. Uh, he's kind of the uh, same sort of ilk as Drew Brees. Obviously, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's Drew Brees, but he's the same sort of ilk, size, productive, a winner in college. So you never know. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to totally throw it out the window, but for now, I think it would be a hard time for Ian Book to come in and win. But like you said, what if we come next offseason and they really like him? I don't know. So, again, this is a one-year thing. Let's see what happens. And I don't think Sean Payton would hesitate if he's not pleased with the quarterback room after this year uh, making a trade. Like, I I wouldn't be shocked if they went hard after Russell Wilson next offseason. I really wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Well, Larry, they might hope um, he develops like Dak. Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick, obviously, for the Cowboys. Might, you know, that's the dream, of course. But look, seriously, keep Ian Book in the mix, just because for the tabloid writers, there's so many stories that can be written about. You know, turning the new chapter, you know, turning a page or turning a new leaf from Drew Brees and stuff like that. I mean, look, from the outside looking in, it looks like Taysom Hill's a bit of a comic book and. Jameis Winston, Winston is a book, all right, but it's more like Fahrenheit 451. He's going to burn you at some point. So maybe you need the rookie to come in there. Um, all seriousness, though, uh, obviously Taysom Hill is now the 140 million man, and the Saints are, quite frankly, getting out of cap hell this season. Um, it looks a little bit like a rebuild in terms of just clearing the cap space, clearing, obviously, the debt that they've had to pay on Drew Brees' contract and other things. I mean, how Mickey Loomis does it, I don't actually know because the capology going on, the capologism going on is is something impressive. But, you know, if you're a rookie, you're probably going to play because they need some cheap people there. It, does it feel like, obviously, it's changing the guard season, but does it feel like kind of we clear the decks and then we figure it all out really for a better run in 22-23? Yeah, look, the Taysom Hill number is bogus. It's not real. I mean, he's under a one-year deal. His, you know, and they're using it to spread out the cap hit that would he would have taken this year. So it's funny how they did it, but it's it's just comical. Uh, but when you look at what happened to the Saints roster, I mean, they have a lot of star power, but everyone on the next, like, say, second tier level, they lost a lot. And I think that's a good way to look at it, that uh, they need – their draft picks from 2018, 2019, 2020, this year, they need those picks to develop and be a bigger part of the puzzle. Someone like Marcus Davenport, someone like Traquan Smith. I mean, they need those pieces. Even just look at last year's draft. Uh, What about Zach Bond? They need Adam Troutman to be their top uh, tight end this year. And so it's something that – they they went all in, obviously, Super Bowl or bust with Drew Brees, and now – this was the price they have to pay uh, kind of the middle tier of their roster. They've got to replenish with Trey Hendrickson, leaving Malcolm Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Sheldon Rankins, uh, so many other players I'm probably leaving out right now. So it's, it's definitely more of a rebuild in the sense that I don't think uh, they're anywhere near the favorite talk, like we would say in the NFC or the, even the NFC South right now, they're going to be fighting to make the playoffs and then go forward but because you're right they have to replenish just like they did in 2017 
all those players were cheap for four years and they're having to pay Kamara. They're going to have to pay Lattimore at some some point. They have a franchise tag on Marcus Williams. They're going to have to pay uh, Ryan Ramchek. So they're going to have to pay for those guys and some of the veteran high price guys, maybe like a Cam Jordan, Toronto Armstead, maybe they only have a year or two left and they've kind of have to kind of clear out that generation of the Saints. Absolutely. And look, Larry, like, you know, you've covered the Saints for a considerable amount of time now, you know, in, in that sense, you, you've actually covered the Saints longer than I've been an NFL fan. I think I've been a fan <laughs> for about 13 years, but watching as a non-Saints fan, watching Drew B's walk off that field at the end of his career, it was almost unfair because he didn't get that send-off. He deserved the full stadium, the, the people in the crowd, etc., and maybe the ending that he wanted. Was there any point last year in which you thought that, you know, he might come back? Because, because even three weeks after the Super Bowl, we were sitting on the show going, could you imagine if he did come back one more year? But uh, obviously he's retired now. I thought for certainty he was going to retire. I didn't pay attention to any of the delay. That was more about trying to figure out money, this, that, and the other. Maybe they could throw a celebration somehow, some way. And then Drew Brees, he retires on the day he signed with the Saints, an anniversary. So uh, I didn't buy he was coming back at all. Injuries certainly caught up to him in the last two seasons. He admits that, that he was only healthy maybe one week uh, last season. So I think everyone in the building knew he was going to leave. And yet, if he said, hey, I'm coming back, it's not like they can say no. Uh, you know, it's different in that sense where, you know, Tom Brady, he had to leave. Peyton Manning, he had to leave. I don't think Drew Brees was going to – I think they were going to let him leave when he was ready to leave, and he was ready to leave. So look, I, I think that was, uh, that was in the sense that this would have been something that would have been a total stunner if he would have came back, but I wasn't buying it. Look, I had a story pre-written that he was right after the season. I probably had it two months and we we're all sitting here. All right, when can I run the story? When can we do it? So no, it was, there was no sense that Drew was going to return, but you're right. It was really depressing as a new Orleanian. And a, if you're a saints fan, I mean, he's just walking off the field, looking up and there's what 3000 people there. So it's certainly something that for someone who was so iconic, the way he went out, it was such a, a kind of a whimper. And, you know, look, I know they're going to throw some big shebang once the season gets started. But still, the way it went, went down, he lost to Tom Brady in the Dome after they had beaten him twice. Tom Brady goes and wins a Super Bowl. It's, the whole scenario was just a big bummer, uh, really, for Drew Brees. Yeah, it was certainly unfortunate, um, but I'm sure, as you say, there will be that that big party uh, when when things get going again. Larry, we want to thank you for taking the time to, to join us. You can find Larry on Twitter at Larry Holder. He also is a brilliant columnist with The Athletic. Check out his work there. And maybe we can have you on again um, later in the summer as we build up to a new season. Absolutely. And if I don't have a cocktail next time, uh, throw something at the screen. Like, this is my fault. I totally <laughs> failed, you guys. But no, great show. Appreciate you guys uh, having some interest uh, in the Saints uh, in Ireland. And uh, no, really appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Larry. All the best. Thank you, Larry. You got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank you. Uh, Larry Holder from The Athletic. Uh, check out The Athletic. Obviously, you can get it in the UK, Ireland as well. You can get free trials, cheap monthly ones as well. Brian's disappeared, but he's actually here as well. Thank you very much to Laurie. Welcome back, Brian. We're going to go straight into our next guest. This guy here is going to love this because all he talks about is the Patriots. So we're going to bring on uh, Jim McBride, who is a Patriots beat, beat reporter for the Boston Globe. Jim, I love the name. It's very Irish for a start. So welcome in. 
Thank you very much. It's to be here. My, my children are Seamus and Caroline, so you'll like that too. I think you've answered the first question. I mean, I, I'm presuming you have. I, I was going to ask you, have, have you any Irish connections? But you, I, I think you definitely have in some way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Roots in uh, Dingell and Cork. So, yeah. Oh, well, uh, delighted to hear the roots in uh, Cork. Uh, that's uh, my home county, Jim. So uh, welcome in. Um, I suppose, look, the, 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 the first, you know, my first question could be, which was the, the, the bigger name in this, uh, you know, um, draft for, for the Patriots? Was it uh, the reemergence of uh, Nike the dog or was it Mac Jones? Um, I suppose, look, look, the Mac Jones pick, um, you know, your, your take on that. Yeah, uh, I think this is the guy that they wanted all along. And if they didn't have a shot at him, they were going to wait and, and, and draft someone in the second round or the third round. Um, you know, I don't think that, you know, certainly they didn't have a shot at, at the two big guys, Lawrence and, and, and Zach Wilson. But um, of those other th three guys, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, Mac Jones, I think they felt like Mac Jones was the most, you know, NFL ready at this point, uh, a guy that's really smart that could come in and learn this offense. As, as Coach Belichick said on on a Thursday night, uh, he doesn't see him ha having a problem processing this information and absorbing it all, which is, you know, quite frankly, a pretty daunting task when you when you think about that playbook that Josh McDaniels has designed over the last two decades. So uh, they felt really comfortable with him, um, you know, really up until. Tuesday or so, I didn't think they had a shot at him because I thought he was Mac Jones was the 49ers guy. I thought that's you know why they traded up to number three to get him. Um, but then you started hearing the rumors that that they were really enamored with Trey Lance. So when that happened, I remember saying to a colleague, if they take Trey Lance at three, you know Mac Jones could fall all the way to the Patriots without a problem because the only other team that I thought would be looking for a quarterback or and be aggressive was the Bears and they had Justin Fields on their board. So. Once that happened, you know, I really started writing the story Thursday night. Once the, once they picked Trey Lance, I started typing my Mac Jones story because I was that confident that he was going to fall to them. Jim, we were fortunate to interview Jim Nagy last week, and he was raving about Barmore. He felt he was a first-round talent, and he felt he would have went in the, the back end of the first round. So for the pages to move up very quickly on the second day, I think obviously that was the general consensus within the, the, uh, the, office, the front office there as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when Bill only went to one pro day this year, and it was the Alabama pro day, no surprise with his tight relationship with Nick Saban. And I think the mission was to see Mac Jones, see the ball come out of his hands. But, you know, they couldn't help but notice Barmore. Uh, you know, he's just a just a massive human being could moves really quickly. And, you know, this is my devious mind thinking, but, you know, the, the the way that Tom Brady gets really uncomfortable is when there's pressure up the middle. You know, you think about those two giant Super Bowls that they lost. The pressure up the middle was something that he, you know, he really does not like. He's very uncomfortable with it. He can kind of feel that pressure off the edge, but the middle pass rush is something that he can't stand. And uh, I think Barmore adds that to the Patriots. And, you know, they have to play Tom Brady this year. So there's Bill thinking, <laughs> I'm going to get a guy that's making Tom Brady really uncomfortable. So I think they were really happy with that pick to get the top interior lineman uh, in the second round. Usually those guys are, you know, off the board earlier than that. I think it was definitely worth the, you know, spending the two fourth rounders to, to move up and, and grab the guy that they really thought was um, somebody that can slot in and, and contribute, you know, maybe not immediately, but by mid season, maybe. Yeah. Jim, uh, Brian's a Giants fan, so he definitely remembers those two Super Bowls and brings them up. Well, it has a big smile, Jim. Times. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually called Jones. 
Sorry, I was going to say, I, I called my to the page grid. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I call him the show, but Mac Jones, the Patriots back in November. I just thought it was an ideal fit, you know, almost Brady-esque in the sense of play for a big conference, played in the big conference, play for a big uh, university, and obviously. Um, and on the night, we were doing a live draft show, so it was a bit weird for us, like, or for me anyway, thinking that Jones was going to the 49ers and then having to wait 12 picks just to see if it all, you know, beautifully came true. Um I could ask you a real fan question here, like where the hell are the bloody wide receivers, which was the other fault <laughs> in the Patriots draft. But actually, um, you know, Jim, one of the things that stands to me is Belichick rarely divulges too much to the press. But I thought actually his conference, obviously when he started off without you guys asking a question and said, Cam's our quarterback, like straight out. It was like, I know you guys <laughs> are going to ask, I'm just getting it out of the way. But he did disclose something that means a lot to Patriots fans. Said that Ernie Adams was draft with the Patriots, and uh, you know, Patriots fan knowing well for anybody who doesn't know Ernie Adams, he's the Belichick's Belichick, the genius in the background. Uh, brought Belichick in as, ostensibly to the Giants by recommending him to Ray Perkins, was the inspiration behind Buzz uh, Bissinger going down to Odessa and running Friday Night Lights and stuff like that. He's uh, a bit of a Machiavellian genius in the background, some would say. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's a bit unusual for you know Bill to willingly give up information on the inside. Yeah, so you know, and he and he kind of stopped short of saying that that Ernie was going to give up all his responsibilities. So I, I think you know, my gut feeling is that this will be Ernie's last year um, with the team, and you know he'll but he's going to go through the season and, and do what he normally does. But because he's been so instrumental in their draft preparations, and you know really came up with it with their coding system and their way of ranking and grading players that I think he wanted to Bill wanted to take that opportunity yesterday to, to let everyone know that, Hey, this is the guy that revolutionized how we scout in this, in this building. Um, I think if he waited till the end of the season, it might've been kind of a footnote, you know, Ernie Adams, longtime coach assistant, uh, you know, draft analyst, but this way um, he got to shed a lot of light on Ernie deservedly. So, um, so I think, you know, it's probably will be his last year, but he's probably still going to be at every practice this year. He's going to be in the, the press box with that direct line to Bill during the games. You know, Ernie's the guy that tells Bill, hey, throw the challenge flag. You know, we've seen the replay, you know, but his, uh, you know, as Bill said yesterday, his contributions to the, to, the, to the Patriots have been historical. I mean, going back to 1975 when Chuck Fairbanks was the coach, um, just, you know, amazingly encyclopedic mind. You know, I'm on the Patriots Hall of Fame committee and, and Ernie's on that, too. And, you know, generally speaking, those, those meetings, you know, we just kind of let Ernie talk and we listen to him. And, you know, you kind of vote the way he ta the way he leans because he's just he has such an influence and he just knows everything. Uh, he's certainly going to be missed. Uh, just a, you know, a real football guy. You know, it's funny. You talk to a lot of players on the Patriots and, and you ask about Ernie Adams and they'll say, we don't know what he does, but when he talks, man, we better listen. <laughs> um, I well, look, Jim, you're the first beat writer to come on the show, mainly in the Patriots landscape for us. So, I'm just going to ask you because it has some sort of Irish connection. Whenever Tom Brady announced he was leaving the Patriots, it obviously was that week over here when the COVID stuff was hitting, but it was on St. Patrick's Day, and for us, it, it's probably—I mean, for Patriots fans, for, for just for NFL fans, it now is going to remain like a landmark moment every St. Patrick's Day for an NFL fan over here. But uh, how shocked were you when that happened? Uh, obviously, Tom went on to win it this year, and I'm sure Patriots fans and, and, and reporters are delighted. But when that happened, what was the feeling like that morning? Because it must have been a frenzy in terms of the media. 
Well, it, it was horrible for, for several reasons. It was also the day that they, they locked Boston down, basically. So nobody could run out to the bars and drown their sorrows because they were all closed because of COVID. That was the day you know that our mayor uh, closed everything down. So it was rough. I think a lot of people, you know, had been bracing for it about a week uh, prior, um, you know, after the, the Patriots lost to Tennessee in the playoff game. You kind of got that sense that that could be the last game. And, you know, it, it, it's a terrible thing because his la- the last pass he threw in Gillette Stadium was a pick six to Logan Ryan. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people remember that, and it's it's unfortunate. But it was a tough day. There was there were some diehard fans who thought, you know, this is never going to happen. Tom Brady's never going to leave. And when it did, it was like a, a smack-in-the-face reality. Um, so it, it was tough. Um, but I don't think it was, uh, you know, this this – Bill versus Tom narrative that's been playing nationally. Uh, the local people kind of knew that this was a, a, a an amicable divorce. You know, there was it was time for both of them to move on. The Patriots certainly weren't going to commit fifty million dollars to to Tom for two years. And, and Tom, I think, looked at the roster and said, you know, the the, the weapons just aren't there anymore. Um, you know, time for me to move on too. So. Um, it, it, it was definitely devastating, but, you know, people got over it kind of quick. You know, they were, you know, they got remember, reminded of it in February when Tom won yet another Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of looking past it now. I think they were more upset that Gronk actually um, unretired and went to the Buccaneers than, than Tom actually leaving. Jim, um, it has been uh, a lot of fun to, to get your insights into uh, the, the Patriots draft. And um, we'd love to have you on again in the lead up to the, to the new season, obviously, after uh, training camp. And we see how all those uh, the draft picks and the uh, players picked up during that free agency, that frantic uh, free agency period uh, are beginning to, to settle in. Uh, so we just want to say thank you. And, uh, you know, if you uh, if you make it over to this little green island, uh, we'd love to, to grab some Guinness with you or you know if uh, if the Irish NFL show makes it over to to Boston uh, maybe we can catch up with you there I would love it I'd love to come on anytime so you know it's great to be here thanks Jim, Jim. thanks man Jim all the best man thanks Jim great to hear from Jim McBride at Globe Jim McBride check it check it out I think he's now going to be our Patriots correspondent Mark I think is happy enough there happy enough Mark yeah why, why can we? Why can we only talk to Jim about the Patriots for ten, fifteen minutes, Michael? We should we should do a like four hour show devoted around that, no? no? I do, I... We have been on the air this week for one, two, three, four. We we didn't even we, get we've been on the air a lot. I, t- I tell you what, I would actually fourteen hours again. I mean, one of the one of the funny things you hear from all the Patriots beat writers, and you 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 hear this quite a lot, is that Belichick comes across as such a grumpy bugger in all those press conferences and he does because he hates it like genuinely he's like oh, i'm contractually obliged to be here but he obviously from time to time you ask him i know about left-footed punters which he has an affinity for and you'll get a you know a history of the game about it but he's actually quite funny belichick in those press conferences as well especially you know we give a death stare or two but he can be quite funny with those journalists and uh, i've heard from some of the beat writers before about some of the great stories and things he's come out with so i'd love to get jim's best Belichick story is, you know, been amusing from time to time. It's like a Jerry um, Jones story. Everyone has one. And I seen Jerry Jones' uh, grandson made the pick yesterday for, for the Cowboys. My wife was like, hold on, this is on all night. <laughs> it was like the most random announcements. I've actually got a lovely video for Patriots fans if you do want to see it. Um, it was, I think, what Colm talks about at the start. It's uh, 
Bill's it, dog. Brady is picking up the trophy for Tampa Bay or something, Michael. Are you just going to try and talk? No, to that's that. That's been done. What do you think here in the seventh round, huh? All right, got it. Dear God, just look at that smile. Oh, I God. think he's found a way that he'll enjoy maybe doing press conferences. Maybe that's what we're going to see for the, the 2021 is he'll just bring Nike into every single press conference. Why is this dog called Nike? What's going on? Like, Great God of Speed. So maybe some connection in relation to that. But at the same token, if he brought Nike to the press conference and someone asked a stupid question, he could set the dog on them as well. So no, hey, it could work. That's, like where, was... that's where Mark's mind goes. Looks like he was walking remotely back at back at home again, Mark. Yeah, doubt he's bringing the dog into the front into the front office uh, today. It's unfortunate uh, that we didn't have more time with Jim because I would have loved to ask him around Julian Edelman's retirement. We didn't even get an opportunity to really discuss that because that merits a conversation in itself. I still don't want uh, to believe that does. happened. Please, let's just imagine that never happened. Okay, what well, it, it happened? You, you, it happened. You'll know in September when you when you when you've got the two other new wide receivers catching the ball or dropping the ball. Service. We've got a guest coming in a couple of minutes. However, we have uh, prizes to give away. You um, do indeed. And yeah, we're yeah. delighted that everybody knows that I have won both jerseys and both caps. Uh, yeah. Like the oh, sorry. My bad. Um, be like the episode of Father Ted, was it, with the uh, number 11? <laughs> you know, it's not unusual for the press to organize the competition to win the competition. <laughs> or it's like that GA club in the Glive or something. Your boy had the thing in his jeans and pulls it out. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Um, here are the winners. Archie Stewart and Oshin Garrity have both won an NFL draft cap and a shirt of their choice. Within reason, do not be requesting a 300 euro unbelievable player. I think it's like 99 euro max, but uh, yeah, boys, congratulations. Archie Stewart, Oshin Garrity. We will be in touch at some point when this madness ends. 14 hours this week. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. now here they come with the TJ Huseman Zada um, request on the jersey. Yeah. Long as yeah, no. possible. And I have no idea who these guys support. And last when it was a Patriots fan, um, I can't recall who our winner was the previous time, but yeah, we, we had the Patriots hack go out in the past fortnight to the winner of that cap, and they were, they were nice enough to, to put it up on their social media page. So, congratulations to the guys. And yeah, we'll organize that in due course during the week and should have the jerseys within a week, week and a half. Absolutely. Michael, uh, I, somebody uh, responded to your question. Uh, Oliver O'Brien said, I imagine the reason Bill Belichick's dog is called Nike is because Nike was a Greek goddess who personified victory. So I don't know if that's Mark's burner account or uh, just somebody who shares uh, Mark's ideas. But Oliver O'Brien, uh, yes, uh, in fairness, uh, he probably... You know he's taken over. Is is he officially the the winningest coach, uh, Mark, at this point? No, he's got a. Even if you combine playoff victories, he's got a little way to go to you know, to catch up with Hallis and Schuler. He's still number three. Uh, Schuler, I think, is on forty-seven wins, and Belichick is on three seventeen, if I remember correctly, in terms of regular season. Yeah, it's it's it, this. This is why the, the funny thing is um, Belichick said he'd never go past 70 like Marv Levy and obviously he's 69 now and it doesn't look like he's stopping. So maybe you got something wrong there. I think if anything, he's been re-energized by a former player winning the Super Bowl and having the opportunity to bring in more players during free agency to give him a minute for a crack at the whip. Hopefully he gets his ninth ring, Brian, you know? 
Well, we've seen yeah. his face there. I mean, he was it was terrifying that smile. But uh, Mac Jones, a quarterback, it, it, it will be. It, it's going to be a very interesting year. I can't wait for the Sunday shows where we've got Mark trying to convince us that Mac Jones is the next Peyton Manning or something, so, or Tom Brady, so I'm looking forward to it. We're waiting on Dave Burkett to come in to talk about the Lions, um, a team column that we don't talk too much about in the show, and I think we, we, we need to improve on that. Uh, were you impressed with, with, the, with, with the Lions draft? Or? Um, yeah, no, we are making an effort, I suppose, to try to get around to um, as many of the, the teams um, as we can. We've been reaching out to a, a lot of uh, a lot of the teams and beat writers, um, and uh, I suppose it'd be interesting to, to hear um, Dave's uh, take. I think, uh, obviously, look, their, their first pick, probably they, they didn't uh, expect. Uh, I know that um, from reading up on some of them, there's, there's some thinking that um, maybe they... Uh, a bit like so, some some good picks, some maybe who, who didn't work out so well. I think the consensus that I have seen uh, across the experts is that the Chargers appear to be the uh, the big winners from from the draft. But hey, Super Bowls aren't won in May. I think Dave's ready now. Dave, you want to give us a thumbs up or bring you in? Awesome. Here we go. Uh, Dave Burkett joins the show. Fantastic to have Dave on the show. Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Dave, welcome in. How you doing, man? How's how's everything? It's going good. I've never been to Detroit, so I, we we ask everybody this question at the start. Uh, any Irish connections yourself, dude? Uh, absolutely. I got a lot of family in Ireland, like extended family. Um, I've been there one time myself uh, when the Lions played in London a couple years ago. Uh, my family came with me, and we went to Ireland for a few days after. So awesome. Spent a few days there. Flew home, landed, and that's when the Lions fired Martin Mayhew and. So, that's my story fired him while i was on the plane right home so. Ooh. that's uh that's a good story i like that you built in the time after the london game uh definitely uh, we, we would be encouraging people to to do that but um i suppose the, the lines were intriguing uh to a lot of people coming up to, to thursday and what they might do and there was all sorts of, of stories about which way they might go uh, it ends up being penny soul what are what are your thoughts on that that first pick? Yeah, look, I think it was the right pick for the Lions. I mean, the way I saw the draft, the way I think a lot of people saw the draft, including the Lions, was that, um, you know, uh, outside of the quarterbacks and however many quarterbacks you sort of threw in that blue chip group, there were there were really three elite, you know, position players in the draft. And, and that was, you know, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. And, and I think for the Lions to get one of those guys at at number seven and a guy that they really wanted, a guy that fits their culture and the way they want to build um, nothing but good things to say about that pick. I think 20 years old, he's got a chance to be a really good player in the future. Dave, I just want to go back a couple of months ago as a Giants fan last year, when Joe judge did his first press conference, it, um, the enthusiasm for Giants fans was straight away that they potentially had the right head coach. Dan Campbell's initial press conference was, entertaining shall we say in terms of biting kneecaps and doing this and we're going to be a team on the field that you know you're playing against uh, just a general consensus from the Lions fans are they feeling the love at the moment with, with the new coach yeah I don't know how it played over there in, in Ireland I know you know some some people here stateside didn't like it you know maybe it didn't resonate with them but in Detroit it certainly did you know I think Dan um, won that press conference and, you know, by and large, the, the first three months on the job for him and Brad have been good. I mean, no one, you know, thinks the Lions are going to win 12 games next year or this thing is going to happen overnight. But um, the one thing that I think Dan Campbell has done is is he's been himself and that's allowed 
you know, the, the people on this team to sort of be themselves or, you know, them to, to, you know, not shy away from people with personalities in the draft on Twitter, I'm sorry, in the draft and free agency, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And um, so I, I think that helps, right. When, when, when you can be yourself, you know, that just helps you um, whatever your job is achieve at the highest level. And, and that too often wasn't the case with the lions. So, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be a learning curve, but um, I think Dan is, you know, uh, he's got this thing at least pointed in the right direction. Um, Dave, I mean, look, the, the Lions are probably one of the most snake-bitten uh, franchises in the NFL. I mean, you look at two of your most transcendent players of all time, both retired early, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. They've never made the Super Bowl. And now the greatest quarterback they probably ever had in their franchise, they've They've traded him, you know, in a cap-cutting measure, I know, and obviously picked up some assets for him, but it's almost like a kind of a Ray Bork trade, kind of, you know, trying to be kind to him and give him a chance somewhere, it almost feels like. Um, is there any hope? We've got a lot of Lions fans in Europe, a lot of Lions fans in Ireland here. You know, is there any hope at the end of the tunnel for them, or is it, um, you know, they've got Jared Goff as the quarterback, for Christ's sake. This is, this is going to be painful, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't expect miracles in, in 2021. You know, they, um, I think Jared Goff is the type of guy that, you know, he's better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's, he's probably not, you know, the guy that's really just going to lead you to a Super Bowl, um, even though he's been there before. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think the Lions are 2-15 and 15 bad next year, but I, I think maybe they're a six-win team, you know, somewhere in that sort of realm. So I, they're still very much in the, the early stages of this building process. And, that's why I say, you know, I think Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, I think they've got good people in place to, to lead this um, and they're pointed in the right direction. But it's at the end of the day about getting the right players and, and then producing on the field like, you know, they can. So um, early stages are good, baby steps so far, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Shout out to uh, Roar of the Lions UK podcast who are joining in and have reached There's a lot of Lions fans watching this. So uh, obviously, my like uh, guys, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I like it. I like to see all the, uh, when I, last time I was over there in London, I, you know, every time I'd run into a Lions fan, I'd ask them how they became a Lions fan. I got some, you know, crazy stories. So it's, it's, it's <laughs> awesome to hear some of the, you know, the, the fans from, from overseas. They've literally just replied saying, gotta love at Dave Burkett. You've probably seen that as well. But Dave, guys like uh, Rakeem Boyd, Jerry Jacobs picked up uh, in unrestricted free agency yesterday. Was there anybody else that we haven't mentioned that stood out to you in the draft for the Lions? Well, you know, I think in the draft, look, um, you know, obviously Panay Sewell is, is the headliner. And, you know, the I think both the, the defensive linemen they took on day two, you know, there, there's a shot that they can, you know, be contributors, uh, you know, next fall. But, you know, to me, the the I don't know if it's a sleeper pick or whatever, but but maybe the, the guy that I like the value that they got the most was Amon Ra St. Brown, the, the receiver they picked up in round four. You know, he's a, it's a position they need. Um, it's a guy that I thought, you know, was going to go a full round higher. You know, I I do some sort of scenarios every year and in, in mocking like their first, you know, three rounds. And, and I, I gave him to the Lions in one of my, my early third round, you know, predictions. And, and so I thought he fits. I got a golden tape comp on him from a scout, which, you know, Lions fans will like. So I think he's a guy that I like to draft. Uh, I think he in particular is a guy that maybe has a, sh uh, a chance to, to outproduce his draft slot. Uh, Dave, I'm not sure if you'll know the answer to this one, but just wondering, do you know, have uh, Michael Brockers and Jared Goff been in the same room together uh, again as yet? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, God, I'm trying to think of it. it was, it was Brockers. He said, you know, he, he 
apologize to Jared. You know, he said it wasn't, uh, you know, it sort of wasn't what he meant, you know, to, to say. I don't know that we can say the words were taken out of context since it was on video, right? But, um, you know, so, yeah, and, and, you know, those two by all accounts are um, had a pretty good relationship in L.A. So, uh, you know, Brocker said it was a case where he just – uh, for those who missed it, you know, he said, you know, the, the Rams traded up a level when they got, you know, Matthew Stafford. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brockers was traded to Detroit. So he was back with Goff. And he said, you know, it was just a case of uh, TMZ catching him in the airport, him trying to pump up his team and his fans. And so, um, look, I, I think most people in the NFL would agree Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. But as I said, Goff is um, – you know, I, I think he's. I think the line could do worse at the position. I think he's he's a very serviceable bridge guy, if nothing else. Sorry, guys. You're on mute, Brian. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, guys. Dave, having brought in Goff and then come free agency, I suppose they allowed a primary receiver. Once he didn't play that much last year, uh, Kenny Galladay was their was their main main man at wide receiver, and they didn't they decided against the franchise tag. But did that come as a surprise? Is this a Giants question or a Lions question for you? <laughs> Aren't you the Giants fan, yeah, combi- right? <laughs> yeah, com- com- combination of both. Then. Combination of yeah. both. <laughs> no, um, look, uh, I think that's a good receiver, by the way. Yeah, so I think it's a, a good pickup for your Giants. But uh, um, I'm a little surprised they did tag them just because, you know, I, I thought, and it wasn't, Oh dear God! We've just we've just lost Dave. Lost. <laughs> oh, he was asked a question about the Giants. They probably went, you know what? I'm just gonna. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> that's that's the first person that's called you. I need that to you. That's the first person that's called you out on it. Yeah. Here he is. He's back. He's back. Back. He's back. He's back. He wasn't going down the joint. Dave, we 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 were just joking there because Brian's a Giants fan that you that that, 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 that he asked the Giants question and you just thought no. I'm, Told him out, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm back. Can you guys hear me there? Yeah. Yeah. Dave, like, yeah, yeah. Dave I, I genuinely oh, wasn't leaning towards the Giants. I just thought there was a surprise that they didn't take connection there for a second. Um, no, I look. I think um, Galladay. It, it didn't totally surprised me that the Lions let him go out and signed him or tagged him with the intent to trade him. That's still a big position of need for the Lions. They just don't have a lot of uh, you know, playmakers there. All the guys are on one-year deals or, or young guys. Uh, part, part of the reason why I think it's going to be tough for Jared Goff to, to sort of establish himself as the quarterback for the future because you know this offense didn't have a lot of, a lot of weapons there. So um, Lions will miss Kenny Galladay, and I think your Giants will will enjoy what they get out of him. Uh, Dave, now the Brian's the depressed you a bit and tried to sneak in the fact that Kenny Galladay left as well. Um, I just wanted to say, look, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate this is a mad week for you and for all the beat writers involved. Uh, we'd love to talk more about the Lions and not the Giants, uh, and maybe. We might ask you if you're free to come on again some other time later in the summer when training camp's gone through and we're seeing how that new team with their new coach, new cure quarterback and new head, uh, new general manager are all gelling. Uh, but for now, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. Uh, for all the Lions fans out there, you already know, but it's at Dave Burkhead. Uh, not only do you find him in the, the Detroit Free Press, but also, Dave, you're a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, I believe. So um, we should definitely ask you some questions about that next time if you're able to join us.
And I think we lost them again, Michael. I think we lost them, but you know what? If you can hear us, Dave, th- thanks a million for your time, man. Appreciate you. And um, yeah, pro- that just just awesome to get them on. I hope we can talk some lions after. But uh, yes, yes, that's it. Let me just—I'm just going to type. If somebody wants to talk for thirty seconds, I'm just going to type to Dave and say thanks. Dave. Well, I, I was going to ask Dave about how he felt about Carl Van Noy leaving Detroit and coming to New England and stuff like that a few years ago. But you know, I just thought it might be a bit inappropriate and. Not a lion's question, Brian. My question was a legitimate question. I asked him about their main wide receiver that's been let go and haven't been offered a contract the year before and not signing it. And that was the only reason I was asking that question. Does anyone uh, have uh, Mark? I, I I was saying that uh, you know by all consensus the the Chargers are are the. The, the the consensus winners of the draft. Uh, any takeaways from you on the 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 week just gone? No, I, I would wholeheartedly concur, uh, Colin. I think the Chargers won a fair bit of free agency as well, and they've built nicely. But the point, and I think we called it out the other night, or you particularly said, it, is the talent is never an issue with the Chargers. They've always had the talent. It's that when they can coalesce uh, that all or coalesce that all together into a working team, and not shoot themselves in the foot. You know, Raiders raided, and I still think they had a bizarre draft. I think a lot of teams will be very happy. The Bears will be happy again, their quarterback. The Patriots are happy again, their quarterback. Um, But as always, let's look at it in three years' time. Let's look at it in three years' time. We see some of those late-round picks develop, and we see who actually performed on the field. That's the key. Brian, any final words after seven days of coverage? Any final thoughts after draft week? Oh, it's been a very enjoyable week. We've you know the great thing about this is whilst we're doing it every night i think we enjoy each other's company and we've and we put great shows together so we've had some really good guests this week and obviously the, <laughs> the, pin, the pinnacle of the week was was our show on virgin media sports which was really enjoyable but uh now look, the draft is over now and this is where the difficult period starts for every fan because now we go through a phase of having very little activity in the NFL, with the exception of the schedule which is due out on wednesday week and i think we're planning to have a reasonably good show you know, a few days thereafter. Let's see. Let's see. Colin, uh, what's your one takeaway from draft week? Um, the the take, I suppose, the, I, I'm just intrigued to see how Trey Lance will do in that Kyle Shanahan system. Um, we, you know, they're, they're talking about keeping uh, Jimmy Jimmy G around. I'm, I'm interested to see whether that will be the case uh, or whether they'll, they'll move on from him. But I don't think you can give up that many picks, uh, move up that far, bring a guy in at number three and sit him for the entirety of the season. Excellent. Mark, you have no final words, no? Um, I slot that, so I guess... <laughs> what do you want me to I think say for me i think for me it's uh it's going to be really interesting watching this back in a year and seeing how well um trevor lawrence doc wilson trey lance and justin fields and mac jones all have done as quarterbacks Um, you know were teams right to move um to, to just pass Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Time will tell, but it's been a great week. We've got there over 14 hours. Uh, Adam Rank, Jim Nagy, uh, three beat writers, including the Irish NFL Network, D Orlando, a special in Virgin Media Sport, six hours live on Thursday night, live on Friday morning, live on Friday night, live on Saturday night, and live on Sunday night. Boys, uh, it's been a pleasure, and I guess I'll see you again next Friday, and to everybody that's watching as well. Thanks a million, and see you soon. Cheers, boys. Thank you.
Good night and good luck. Hey everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show. Can you believe weeks after Tom Brady gets his seventh Horcrux, we are finally at draft week and our first guest on draft week is none other than Adam Rank, NFL Network. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, listen, I, I move I move heaven and earth for you guys. That the draft starts in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Most certainly, most certainly guys. Thank you all for having me on the Irish NFL Network. Hey, welcome into Draft Night Live on the Irish NFL Show. Minutes from the Jaguars being on the clock. Can you believe we're here? The coffee is here. Um, it looks like Aaron Rodgers might well be leaving the, the Green Bay Packers. Struggling. Imagine how the Packers fans are feeling right now. And you can imagine how I'm feeling here. We are on the verge. We are seconds away. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback, Clemson. Right. <laughs> We got a leg workout tomorrow. <laughs> the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Trey Lance. Ooh. There you go. There you go. Absolutely, completely understandable. The guy, I can understand why Kyle Shanahan fell in love with this guy. He is sensational. He has everything you want. Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, boys. Oh, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, the go wide receiver, Jalen Waddle. Fastest player in the draft, Michael. Penesu. So they go. don't go with a quarterback, Penesu. For this franchise, it's probably one of the most underrated picks in the top 15 in this draft. Penesu. Oh, Callum, I know you counted that. I'm not counting that you won't pick a quarterback. Counting on the fact that you might look at Mac Jones, potentially he's the better quarterback. Because we've seen it tonight where for months on end, we've said, Okay, the first two are given and the tortoise are given in the sense it's a quarterback, it's going to then also be Mac Jones. What's to say that the Broncos might not pick Mac Jones? Here comes, no, it's not Roger. He has I'm not going to say again. Here comes oh, Roger. Right. Here he comes, here he comes. The Denver Broncos select. Patrick Sertain, cornerback. Oh my God. <laughs> How many moments? The boys, I'll be back in two minutes. I can't. Well, I cannot. Um, Thanks for me, yeah. Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, another player from Alabama, boys, and this guy honestly is for real. Yes, the Giants are going to move back to 20. They're getting the fifth round pick this year. They're getting the number one pick from the Bears next year and the fourth round pick from the Bears next year. It's no longer save the Chicago one, it's feed the Chicago one. Is that it? Just, Justin Fields. Justin Fields goes to the Chicago Bears. A stunning trade sees Chicago get their man. Micah Parsons is the pick for the Cowboys. Colin, what's your thoughts on Micah Parsons? Uh, Par Parsons is an absolute uh, stud. I mean, he, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, linebacker. Oh, it has to, to be quite a bit. But I mean, just don't be surprised if it's somebody that you think... Yeah, but 21 sacks last season, they need help there. It's kind of like, oh, oh exactly. if only we hadn't traded away Khalil Mack. Like, they, here, they, they here, need... here we go, here we go. Oh. Alex Letterwood, Alabama tackle for a big, big reach. People felt they Alex go. Letterwood. Alex Leverwood. I tweeted number nine that I was stunned. I'm not stunned here. The Raiders are going to Raider. Joins haven't had a predominantly defense fan for... 10 years since we won the Super Bowl, and it's pretty much a sack by committee team. 
So um, it's a it's a very interesting because to me it's a bit of a reach at twenty. You know, just people mutiny. He would have went Batman to the Force early seconds, but I let you lads make a make a make a run at this one. Oh, way! Jesus, here you, you, did you hear? Did you see what happened? We had Jeff Reinbold no. Oh, I must have missed him. I must have missed him. <laughs> the Adich Kajemar tattoo. Tame Gomoy. Tame very tired. Welcome to the Irish NFL show. For some reason, we thought it'd be, well, I actually thought it'd be a good idea to go live the morning after the draft, but clearly going well. Have we got one to order? Yeah, good timing. Thank you very much. Cheers. Um, Look at yeah. that. Coffee with the uh, coffee. With I think it's a good job you are far away from the two gentlemen at the bottom of the screen, Michael, having organized this for the, for 11 and then having uh, a delivery uh, appear from off screen, the two lads with kids. If uh, if, the, if the restrictions, when do, when do, when is inter-county travel possible? I mean, this is a guy that uh, I fondly remember on my television screen when I was in university late on the Sunday, Monday night, uh, Mike Carson. Aaron Mike, uh, the legend of the game over here. How's it going, man? Yeah, oh, it's going fine. We are indeed. Colm, how are you? What's the crack? How's it going? It's going good. Does Brian go up there? I mean, adding from the Star Tribune reports on the Vikings coming in. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, happy to be here. Well, I would say NFL expert after reading that draft guide, but welcome in. Simon, how are you? Very well, boys. How are you? But we've another guest now, final guest, the guy that's busy, you can see him already laughing. I'm, I'm worried that there's going to be a trade, so we'll just bring him on very quickly. Cam Inman, Cam, how are you? How are you? Welcome. I, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And I, my anxiety of a possible 49er trade has uh, dissipated rapidly compared to what it was on Thursday. Well, boys, thanks a minute for your time. We've done it again. Girl, we all good. It's long. It's long.